Warning, this podcast contains graphic language. Hey, what's happening, Metal? Big shout out to all the subscribers out there and all the Metal listening worldwide. You are right here, Kendra Rican Podcast, one of the hottest podcasts for Metal and Metal only. We're right here from the Northwest, podcasting it off worldwide, baby. What's happening, Metal? We're right here on a Monday, uh, the Kendra Rican Podcast. Welcome back, gentlemen. Welcome back. I truly appreciate it. Well, it's getting a little cold out there. Um, it's September, so it looks like it's going to be a very brutal winter facing out here in the Northwest. And I'm not looking forward for that shit at all, Meta. Well, gents, um, this segment right here, I'm about to um, jump to um, doing an observation, you know. Um, us men, especially us Meta, um we look at things a little differently and especially me you know i pull up some articles and i start reading and i do not know for the sake of me why men still getting married until this day i do not understand that at all i really don't understand why men are still getting married to this day well let's get into a little bit of semantics here um, you know, these men, they're not aware of the situation, what women bring to the table. Well, they bring absolutely nothing. Plus, they bring a lot of debt, especially nowadays. A lot of women are graduating from the universities and college. Um, the numbers are 65% are graduating. But with that little piece of paper, well, women are highly, highly in debt. Um, the latest um, stack they did by a women's study group um, back in May, women are in debt $900 billion in college loans. Alone. Okay? Alone. We're not talking about car debt. We're not talking about um, insurance. We're not talking about um, debit card, credit card, all that nonsense, you know? Just college student loans 900 billion dollars so you know when you get married your debt and her debt becomes the man's debt plus your debt if you had debt so these men I don't understand they're gonna jump in this marriage and not look this woman credit score what kind of baggage she's gonna bring into the marriage which I think no man should get married anyway in today's world but you know, for the sake of argument, we just gonna um, look at these men, what they're going through right now with the skanks and their debt up their asses. And believe it or not, this is causing a lot of divorce, college loan debt. It's causing a lot of divorce out there in um in marriages in the United States of America. So these men are stupid, maybe blue pill simps. They, they just listen to society or listen to the family that you have to get married and you have to do that. Well, they basically, they become a slave. You're a slave to a woman, have to work extra hard, many hours. Some of the skanks, they don't, diverse, they don't deserve shit, excuse me. They're out there riding the cock carousel behind their husband's back. Not in all cases, you know, I'm saturated, but shit like this does happen. It does really happen. We all know that shit. But... You know, this man, they need to be aware 
what these bitches got on those credit score, what kind of deep, deep debt they're bringing. You know, someone in the university is expensive, especially with these bitches out there. You know, they go out there in the universities and they, they come out with this pile of shit of degree, uh, women's study, uh, art, uh, temporary days, whatever degree they come out with nowadays. Not only that, but they go out there and party and they go to Cancun and they go to different places, you know, have fun and they got the credit card debt and top of the loans and the books on the credit cards and you know all the costs that come with just college experience metal the college experience what women like to call it it's like oh yeah i went to college because i want to have an experience because you know with bitches everything's a fucking experience they don't take nothing seriously well gentlemen i want to take you to this article right here gents where this man he's going through a lot of shit because this skank have so much loan debt and the article explains what's going on in America and, and, and the divorce rate with just college loan debt. The article call or is how student loans debt is destroying marriages. Excuse me, marriages. So you know how I do the futures between men and machine. So I wanna play you this um sound bite here. It's going to um, read it to you gentlemen out there. So you can see what these men have to go through when you marry these skinks. And this is just us looking from the outside in, you know. But bear in mind, when these men get divorced, they're going to come to our team. Some of them, they're going to be like, I'm, I don't want to experience this shit. I don't want to get married. You know, I just want to go metal. Let's, let's give it a horn for the future divorcees out there. You know, they're going to go metal and do their shit. Let's give it a horn. Let's give it a horn. Them poor fellas, they're suffering right now. <laughs> the future's not looking good for them fuckers. No, there's not. So let me play this, um, this sound by here. Let me get it settled up here. Metal, for goodness sake. How student loan debt is destroying marriages. I'm essentially a credit hostage. If she declared bankruptcy, 100% of the burden would land on my lap. Money has been ruining monogamy for a long time, but that's usually been about credit card debt or compulsive shopping. That's still true. If you divorce in the US today, the odds are strong that somebody ran up the plastic. Yet recent research also suggests that student debt has become a leading cause of some 13% of divorces, or one in eight, not to mention, a separate survey found that a third of college loan borrowers say that debt is the main source of their marital strife. When student loans wreck marital bliss, there are a few common scenarios. Sometimes, one partner lies about having the debt in the first place, which creates additional stress on the marriage due to financial infidelity that goes far beyond being blindsided about the debt. Second, the person's student loans are disclosed but are such a heavy burden that the couple finds themselves delaying precisely the milestones that newlyweds look forward to. For example, buying a home, traveling or starting a family. One survey found that college loans were the barrier to home ownership for 36% of graduates. Other research has also found that not every spouse is the helping type. 
around 54% of spouses, refused to help pay off their partner's previously incurred debt. The third scenario, however, is the least discussed of the group. Partners who take on student loan debt accrued during the marriage or relationship by co-signing on it. Take John, not his real name, a 32-year-old engineer who agreed to co-sign his wife's student loan so she could advance beyond working as a receptionist at a veterinary clinic to pursue a career in wildlife and natural resource management. When a significant other asks you to co-sign a student loan, what choice do you have? He tells me, it's a rock and a hard place kind of situation. You really don't have a solid argument to discourage co-signing, because your marriage isn't going anywhere, right? Really, it's an no-brainer, since you'd look like a total selfish jerk if you didn't see the point. And so, he definitely seeded the point, signing up for a shared responsibility on $20,000 in loans at 11% interest to support your career aspirations. Then, she decided to cut her hours in half and participate in only online courses. This hit our budget from two directions, more expenses and less income. John explains, this created a lot of animosity, since I was now responsible for well over 70% of our income. There were also a lot of issues with her binging Netflix, going to the beach and shopping while doing schoolwork. Needless to say, the marriage didn't survive. John, though, was still left with a student loan debt for a career his ex-wife never even pursued. To make matters worse, he discovered she was making only $25 payments every other month against the loans, which had since ballooned from $20,000 to $30,000, an amount for which he was completely on the hook, divorce or no divorce. That's when he realized he hadn't fully understood what co-signing really entailed. It was my impression that my co-signing gave more weight to the borrower, and that I was secondarily liable for the debt, John says, but really, both signer and co-signer are mutually responsible, and the credit companies can go after anyone they choose. In practice, it's generally the primary borrower. Post-divorce, the primary borrower has to make a year of on-time, full payments before the lender will consider removing a co-signer at the request of the primary borrower. Since the other party is unmotivated to do either, I'm essentially a credit hostage. If she declared bankruptcy, 100% of the burden would land on my lap with little recourse outside of a civil suit. 32-year-old Alan also made the mistake of co-signing for his then-girlfriend's student loans, only to marry, divorce and start getting collection calls looking for a payment on her bill, which totaled $14,000 at 10.26% interest. He also had $48,000 of his own student loans to contend with, and suddenly, his ex-wife was no longer answering the phone. The debt wasn't even in my mind when divorcing. Alan explains, I just wanted her to be responsible for her half. The only problem is that I was a co-signer on the loan, so while legally I'm not obligated to pay it because she agreed to take over the debt as part of our marriage settlement, I'm still on the hook for the bill because in the lender's eyes, I'm still a co-signer. She pressured me into co-signing, which I regret in hindsight. Though to this day, I wouldn't be so upset if she'd at least graduated. But she dropped out, and after we divorced, I found out she'd dropped out two more times, so I'm not sure where the money went. Typically, divorce law requires that you take the same debt you bring into the relationship out of it, 
but that won't change the number of years you spend married helping pay it off. In some cases, you can negotiate being repaid the portion of the other person's debt that you contributed toward eradicating. But if the person with the debt took a degree with low paying career options, or changes their career to something in which the expensive degree was more or less useless, it creates enormous resentment. How much resentment exactly? One study found that 32% of borrowers have decreased libido. That's likely why many of the online discussions about student loan debt are about what to do when going into a marriage with college debt. In one post last year, for example, someone queried, are student loans for advice on how to pay off a fiancé swapping $390,000 in student debt with a roughly 6% interest rate with a current income of only $48,432. That was the price tag for medical school. In another, a guy asked, our personal finance, what it means to marry into student loans. His girlfriend has $40,000 worth of college loans ahead of her, and he has none. His own parents divorced over money, and he wanted to know how, if possible, to ward off the same fate. Such advice seeking and awareness puts these folks ahead of the game, because the only real solution to handling the student loan debt your marriage inherits is to treat it as a couple and annihilate it together like a case of bedbugs. Communicate together to make a plan for paying off the student loan debt and then stick to it. Ashley Dixon, Associate Planner at Gen Y Planning, tells me, once you have it in writing and you both agree to the plan, you'll both feel better about it. In financial counseling, Dixon says she commonly sees that the indebted person feels guilty about the debt they carry, which she tries to help put into perspective. You might have student loan debt, Dixon says, but are you also earning the most income in the relationship? Are you a parent carrying student loan debt, but have decided to take a few years off because daycare costs are more expensive than what you could earn and be paying toward your student loans? If it still bothers you, and is a thorn in your relationship, maybe pick up a side hustle for additional income to allocate directly to your student loan debt. Lessons learned. John tells me about getting stuck with his ex-wife's college loans. She now pays $50 a month on one of the loans but the other one is in forbearance, a ticking time bomb that could come for him at any moment. Co-signing is a tool to complicate people's lives and bog down more people in the overbuilt education system that we were all pressed into, if for no reason than to keep us entrenched in the system, he says. Co-signing also takes advantage of personal connections almost in a predatory manner. Meanwhile, he's still whittling away at $50,000 of his own loans. Well, that guy, he's really fucked up, gentlemen. He's really fucked up. He went out there, co-signed for that skink. And now, he got his own college loan debt. Her college loan debt. <laughs> and, you know, these bitches, they be lying all the fucking time. You know, gentlemen? They be doing some tricksters. And and, and, and that's a, pep, uh, a perfect example, excuse me, of... How these women be tricking these men into marriage and and lying. They, they're going to, you know, pursue their career and and just waste time watching Netflix. And just just a big waste of time for these skanks. We just out here exposing how female nature and what these simp have to go through and, and, and how marriage is in today's world. 
um, maybe this podcast is not, you know, it's like I'm preaching to the choir, right, Midtown? I'm preaching to the choir, but maybe you got, you know, a friend or somebody, a cousin or a, a neighbor about to get married and this bitch got a cottage loan, put this fucking podcast in his fucking head. Like, listen, look what this man had to go through with that skank and debt out there for $50,000 or I don't know how many fucking thousands of dollars this bitch did. And all she doing is fucking having pedicures and manicures and watching Netflix and lying. This is what I'm talking about, Metal. Well, gentlemen, this is my segment for right now. I'll be right back, Metal. Welcome back, Meta. Welcome back to Kendall Rick and Podcast. Well, gents, and this segment right here, I want to talk about a little bit the incel because um, I was reading an article right here by Mel um, Magazine. Mel Magazine is um, it's a website that is provided by the Men Shaving Club. So they got some good articles and stuff like that. So later on, I'm going to play you a soundbite um, about the incel. They're trying to put a new face in the incel community. But I think, you know, the damage has been done. But I always find this topic very fascinating. I always got this um, this model that anybody can be with anybody. See, the thing is with incel, it's not like metal. We just say we don't give a fuck. We, we don't want a relationship. We've been there. We've done that. Women can do whatever the fuck they want to do. You know, men can do whatever the fuck we want to do. We just want to be left alone and do our thing. The only time we don't hate women, the only time we want to be with a woman, some of us just to bang her. You know, that's it. Basically, that's what it is. But I found that incel phenomenon really interesting. And I've been doing videos and and I did one podcast um, like last month inside the world of incels. And um, because I, I did talk about this documentary that the BBC put out there, but um, this um article was um put up in here last week, so we about to get in the article. But um, regarding to this incel business, well, you know, not all of them are bad. You know, I had this misconception that all the incels were murderers and killers and. And your psychopath and you know and crazy shit and a lot of metal do not like them at all. Me, I have a better understanding. You know, I don't agree with their ideology, but I have a better understanding um, because I did my work and my research. Um, so not all of them are bad. You know, you got some of them. They just spend all fucking day in the damn computer and uh, just um, trolling and you know harassing women. And just looking for women validation. That's what they're looking for. Women validation and looking for women relationship. And chasing women where they don't have the looks for it. And for some reason, they feel sorry for themselves. Because they want to be in a relationship. But they can't. They can't for, you know. Because um, they don't have the looks. Or some of them have mental issues. Or whatever the reason can be. So this met uh, this um excuse me this uh, incel 
I always find that, you know, like I said previously, um, fascinating and um, kind of difficult. Um, the way I figured out, if two fat people can be happy together, they can be happy together. If two ugly people can be happy together, I, the way I see it, they somebody for everybody out there. That's basically what I'm saying. But I want to play you this gentleman right here that he was in the, in the documentary Inside the Secret World of Incels. And um, his, his, um, the interview they did with him, I found it very, um, you know, interesting because it opened up my eyes what these men are going through. And I felt, you know, I felt bad and sorry for this type of man, this individual himself. Because the documentary had different crazy nuts in there. You know, Meta. Because um, some of these guys are really fucking crazy and nuts. I'm not saying all of them are good. But you got a few of them out there. They, you know, they're trying to open up, re- reopen up their brand. And try, they're trying to bring them back to um, subreddit. Because subreddit kicked them out. Because they were harassing their fem cells. And yes, there's fem cells too. Believe it or not, subreddit. Fem cells and incels do not get along. They do not get along. So it just, femcells just ugly bitches that for some reason that I don't understand either. Because women can get laid any fucking time. But I digress. I want to play you um this gentleman right here from the documentary. So you can hear what he goes through as, as a man, uh, as an incel. Officially diagnosed, but I have had several people tell me that I do have, you know, some slight characteristics that are typical of people with Asperger's. I think that people who do have, you know, what could be called a neurodivergent mindset are very, you know, easily preyed upon by people who want to indoctrinate them into their ideology, some of them being the incel ideology. You need to get out of that echo chamber. You need to, you know, make connection with the real world again. I think it's a good thing just to understand that feeling that level of hopelessness and loss of, you know, power and control and autonomy is a normal thing to feel, and you're not alone about it. I understand that there's a lot of different people in the world. I'm not going to be a good fit for everyone out there. I think it's important to kind of, you know, at least put yourself out there in the social atmosphere. Even if you don't talk to anyone, at least you're in the space. At least you're, you know, somewhat engaging with people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, at least he's trying, you know, because some of these insults out there, they sit all day in a computer doing nothing, playing video games, um, doing violent video games and and all kinds of deviant shit that this incel be doing. So you do have, you know, a few good ones out there. They they can find dates or women. Or they cannot get engaged of marriage. So there was two individuals that were like this in this documentary. If you want to check it out, the documentary is called Inside the Sacred World of Incels. It's BBC 2019. And you can find it on CuckTube. So he's there, gentlemen. So let's get to the article that I want to talk about here because this fucking male, this male um, article here said that we hate women or we are anti-women. And that's far from the truth. Yeah, they put us out here, red pill and metal. Um, you're going to hear it. But we're not a male. Male.com. We are not anti-women. We don't give a fuck what bitches do. We really don't give a fuck what they do, honestly. 
Unbole. Let's give a book for this fucking article right here for mentioning us out there. Like we some kind of incels and shit. We just know female nature and how they behave and how lying is and deceiving they are. That's all. That's all. Fucking piss me off. But anywho, I digress. They always try and link meta with, with with other motherfuckers out there. So the um the article is called Insult Without Hate. Um, can the new movement overcome the group notorious violence? So I'm gonna play this um read right here, gentlemen. Let me set this shit up for you men out there so you can hear um what they trying to do out here. And they, yeah, they do mention us in here. Like, we we are some kind of um, anti-female bullshit. That's far from, from the truth. We don't give a fuck what females do. We just point out their flaws and, and how they behave in a truly nature of female. That's all. That's what we do in Mayhem here, Metal. Let's play this shit. Insults without hate. Can a new movement overcome the group's notorious violence? A supposedly softer faction of the involuntarily celibate wants to have their cake and eat it too. But the damage is already done. In April 2018, when Alec Menashen killed 10 people and injured 16 others in a van attack on the streets of Toronto, 28-year-old David, a pseudonym, watched the news in horror. He felt sickened by the slaughter. But there was one specific bit of news that made his stomach turn. On his Facebook page, Menashen had written, the Insel Rebellion has begun, referring to an online subculture of involuntarily celibate men, supposedly forced into a sexless life by society, and cruel women, and praised, Elliot Roger, an infamous misogynist killer and insul hero, as media began covering the violent threat of the, insul movement, David thought to himself, what the fuck happens now, David, too is an insult, but he asserts that insults aren't by definition a violent or misogynist group. These killers, he tells me, aren't representative of the huge number of guys who are involuntarily celibate. They don't represent the guys who really want to have meaningful relationships with women and would never, ever dream of violence. It was horrible, he says, to see his subculture smeared as dangerous woman haters. I completely hate Menashin. And anyone who is violent toward women, no exceptions. David isn't alone in the belief that self-described insults can stand against, or simply avoid, the hate and violence the group is known for. He's part of the Insults Without Hate subreddit, a group with more than 10,000 subscribers. The forum's aim, David says, is to detoxify the meaning of insult. It describes itself as a place for people who have struggled to obtain sex and intimacy. But crucially, it strictly forbids hate. Instead, it aims to provide a positive and helpful community. According to the subreddit's terms and conditions, the group prohibits assigning blame for misfortune on particular groups of people, namely, women. Any member who encourages physical or verbal violence will be banned. In practice, however, the majority of threads on our insults without hate still espouse the same arguments and talking points as its predecessor. The often overtly misogynist are insults, which is now banned. They rail against lookism and heightism, or the idea that society, that is, women, discriminates against men, without a strong jawline, or a six-foot stature. They criticize anti-male discrimination, targeted by the gynocentric system, by feminists, 
and they take nihilistic self-loathing to an extreme, talking about other people's intimacy as suicide fuel, and asking, why would anyone want someone as pathetic and loathsome as me? I'm a pile of shit, I know no one's gonna want me. What's clear is that the insults in these groups, by and large, believe the same things as the insults who have been banned from Reddit, says Tim Squirrel, a writer whose PhD research focuses on online communities, specifically insult offshoots. The core of their belief, philosophy, whatever you want to call it, is the same. After the Toronto van attack, the mainstream insult community online no longer had control over how they were defined, Squirrel says. So now the insults are in a weird place. They want to hold on to older definitions of what insul used to mean. People who are just involuntarily celibate. But they're trying to distance themselves from the darker and more dangerous elements. That's a difficult thing to accomplish in 2019. In some ways, the damage can't be undone. Squirrel says, you can't really reclaim insul as an identity. Even in, our insults against hate. There's still that thinking that men are entitled to intimacy, to having sex and to be loved, and that society is putting them at a disadvantage. The same kind of self-loathing, the black pill philosophy, is still there. And for people who use that subreddit as an alternative for our insults, I don't imagine anything in their thinking about how the world works has really changed. David, meanwhile, argues that the term insult has been twisted and manipulated by people who parachuted into the original insult community, omitted, from online communities like the Red Pill, or men going their own way, comma while these groups were and remain overtly anti-women, insult culture was meant to be healthier, a community of men who felt unable to find love, there are a lot of assumptions about insults, that we feel like we're owed sex, or that women should just bow down to us, David insists, but that's not true at all. Being an insult means that you're just incapable of acquiring intimacy. Sometimes that's because of physical reasons or because of personality traits that you can't change. But that doesn't mean that anyone, including women, owes us anything. It's true that insult culture has spun away from its Y2K era origins. Squirrel points to a 22-year-old site called Alana's Involuntary Celibacy Project which in the early days of message boards was designed to be a friendly and safe environment, and where you would go to actually get relationship advice. But while today's insults against hate may yearn to depoliticize the term insult, hearkening back to a simpler time when lonely men and women could help one another find love, the problem, Squirrel says, is that it's too late to go back. The movement is already politicized, and it won't let go of its worldview. You would need something quite extraordinary to happen before that would change in any meaningful way. Read more about insults. The guys seeking DIY chemical. Well, there you have it, gentlemen. I think, honestly, the damage is already done. The, the insult community out there, they did a lot of shit. You know, started innocently, and, and then all of a sudden, just got a hand. And I can, I, I can understand a little bit. I don't feel sorry for these guys. Don't get me wrong out there. Metal. I don't feel sorry for these guys because they burn that shit to themselves. But I do understand male nature. And they trying to get laid. And, and they, they can't get laid. And also, technology is not helping these men. Howsoever. Because, you know, they're not going out there in the real world and dealing with women. 
and being part of society, they're stuck in the basement of the mother's house or the apartment. They just work and come back and don't want to, you know, deal with the world. So that's one of those things that, that you have to learn for themselves to be out there and, and be part of this world. If you like women or not, they're part of society. That's just one of those things. And another thing that I've noticed in my YouTube channel before it got banned, we I had a lot of incels infiltrated in the channels. Yes, they, they used to put some fucking stupid-ass comments and shit all the fucking time. They sure did. They some some of these motherfuckers that infiltrate the the med towel. Cause um, you know, one of my biggest fear as a med towel creator that one of these crazy nuts out there might do uh, some kind of like shootout and shit like that in some place and claim to be med towel and then the whole shit they they gonna go and be after us. You know. I hope that never happens, but that's that is one of my biggest fears that I have out there, metal. That some crazy nut claiming that he has a metal and, and and do some crazy shit. Um, that's always in my back of my mind, you know. If it happens, well, I'm gonna have to stick my neck out and say, hey, um, I don't I don't agree. Whatever the person did, hopefully nothing like this will happen because we are different from the incel. We're just men going our own way, minding our own business. We don't care what the incel do. We don't care what women do. We don't care what men, gay men do. We just don't give a fuck. We just want to chill out, you know, relax and, and do our own thing. If we made a chick, we bang the shit out of the chick and we just let it go. Or if we want to bang a doll, we bang a doll and that's what we do. And we just go to work and do our own thing and make our own money. Because that's just what mental philosophy is all about. But we do point out women truly nature. That's the thing about us. We don't hate it. We understand them very well. I don't hate women. I don't hate them at all. I just expose them for the truly nature is being well displayed throughout the the years, especially right now with this internet and stuff like that. It's very, very easy to um, you know to put them out there in a the friend. Because to expose them because they do all kinds of shit all the fucking time. They do. Well, gentlemen, this is my podcast for today. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Cocktube, Big Shoot. You can find me in all the major podcasts out there. And um, if you want to drop a donation, 99 cents, and um, support this podcast, um, there's a tear and a button right there. Just hit that button and just put your debit card there and show Kendall Rick and some love. 99 cents. I'm looking for the first 99 cents volunteer. So I say peace. State met top. And I'll definitely catch you in the next podcast or video. Ah.